0: To have nothing but we'll be in the first chapter, verse 24, through the second chapter, verse 5, today. Uh, let's bow for prayer to get started. Uh, Father God, we thank you for your word. Uh, we know that it is holy and it is inspired by you, God. We thank you for giving it to us and we ask that you would be with us now. Your Holy Spirit would guide us in... Uh, reading it and understanding it and applying it to our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. This is our third message from Colossians. The the first message, uh, the first part of it, Paul wanted us to be encouraged. He wanted to encourage the church that he was writing to, and we can also take this as a message to us, the church. Um, He said he is praying for them, and he He uh, told them good job for the fruit that they had shown. And then last week, the second message, we discussed the hymn of Christ's supremacy, that uh, Christ Jesus is over all and supreme and the uh, number one above everything else. Um, There is no entity that is higher than God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is supreme overall. In this next section today that we're going to di- discuss, uh, it focuses on God's mysterious plan. And Paul is going to tell us about this mysterious plan, but before he reveals the plan to us, he starts out by saying in verse 24, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for His body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving His church by proclaiming His entire message to you. Do you see what Paul is talking about here? The message, but he is suffering. He suffers for the body of Christ, for the church, the sufferings of Christ Jesus. This is interesting. It brings up something. Um, Paul Paul is suffering, and and he's participating in the the sufferings of of Christ uh, that continue. Paul is not saying... Here that he suffers the same as Christ. Uh, thank you, Larry, for the communion meditation, because we cannot match the suffering of Christ. Even, even if we could match the physical suffering of Christ and we could get that, um, then we still cannot understand the sin of the whole world being put upon us and uh, accepting that and paying for that. So Paul is not saying that he suffers the same as He's saying that, hey, Christ Jesus suffered for us, and so I, Paul, am uh, glad to suffer for the continuation of Christ's church. Paul says, I have a responsibility. Responsibility of serving the church of Jesus by proclaiming this entire Message: The whole message that starts in the Old Testament. The beginning of a work created through Jesus. Paul says the whole thing. It's my responsibility. We can see that proclaiming God's message is not easy. Especially when you are doing it to the extent that Paul is doing it. He's saying... I suffered, and this is why. It's a great responsibility. The message that he is carrying to the church and to us. Now, I'm going to skip the next two verses and save them for just a minute, and go to uh, verse 28 and 29. So we tell others about Christ, warning them and teaching everyone with all wis- the wisdom that God has given us. We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. That is why I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. L- listen, it, it is the, the Christian's responsibility to warn and to teach to warn and to teach now i think these two go together and i think you'll agree with me the warning and the teaching as christians we can warn we can warn each other that that hey the world is going to end someday and And even if you don't uh, live to see the world ending, then uh, you're going to die someday. And you know, we Christians know what that means. Okay, uh, if the world's going to end or we're going to die. It means we better get ready. We better be living for the Lord. And so warning each other would seem to be uh, the easiest thing to do. But to those who don't believe, to those who are not already a Christian, they don't have a relationship with Jesus, they may not know what to do with that warning. So we teach them. We teach them how to secure their eternal spot in heaven, how to secure it and look forward to it. You know, uh, teaching can be intimidating Uh, Quite often, you may come into the situation where the person that doesn't know about Christ is either older than you, or uh, they are in a different place in life than you, and so teaching them as we would teach a child wouldn't seem so easily done. Uh, Maybe it would even seem offensive to teach someone else that is older, so we have to become... Uh, knowledgeable and wise in our ways of teaching. You know, most of the lessons that I've learned in my life, I've learned by watching someone, by seeing something happen, or by uh, you know experiencing someone else doing something that I uh, benefit from because I learn from it. We warn them and then we teach them. Sometimes the teaching comes by how we live our lives, and how we love others. And when you're warning and uh, teaching, you know, hey, uh, there is going to be a time where you're going to have to either pay for your sins or let Jesus pay for your sins. When, when we're teaching them that or warning them, it, it can be a struggle. Paul outlines this clearly to us. We need to remember to depend on Christ's mighty Power. The last words of this verse, the mighty power that works within me. Uh, this weekend, there is a, a festival in the town of Independence, Kansas. And I don't know if you've ever been there, and maybe, maybe you have. It's, it's called uh, Niwala, I think. It's, it's Halloween spelled backwards, and, and, and I don't know much about it. But the Lord has been speaking to me specifically about this particular situation, this particular festival for years now. And I don't think I've ever been to it. I, maybe my parents took me to this uh, festival when I was young, but, but through a series of, of dreams and uh, prompting of, of this uh, festival, God has, has made it clear to me that I need to go there. And the reason I tell you this is is because I need your prayer, number one, so that the Lord can work through me, Christ's mighty power, and because I'm going to need to depend on Christ's mighty power that works within me. And I don't I don't know what his plan is for me here. I don't even know why he has me going there because I don't even like Halloween. As I grew up thinking this is the worst holiday ever. You uh celebrate spiders who likes spiders? Ooh, and uh and and skeletons and just don't like how I remember trick-or-treating when I was young and um my parents would take me trick-or-treating they they were making sure everything was safe and uh I would take my little sister up to the do you have to go to the every door and beg kind of for 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 uh candy it just doesn't seem right and and so I hated to do it and I was at the door and rung the doorbell and she, uh, opened the lady uh, comes to the door, the little old lady opened the door and this ninja cat comes hurling out the door and rips open my candy bag and it all falls on this old porch and it was a bad experience. I don't like Halloween. No good. I don't know why God is telling me to go to Independence, uh, Kansas, to a Halloween festival. I have no idea why, but I am positive that he will tell me. When the time comes. And so I'm going to hop on the old iron horse and ride down there uh, this Friday and Saturday and see what his plan is for me. And I pray, and you can pray for me, that Christ's mighty power will work within me because that's the only way that anything good or positive will get done through that. Paul here wants us to be confident. And he wants us to warn and teach people whom we don't even know personally. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, Paul says, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many, uh, for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan. Uh, Again, Paul says, man, I've struggled, agonized for the message that the Lord would have me deliver to you. He's spreading this message to to people he's never met personally, in this case as believers. um, Jesus calls us to make disciples, though, so we know that this message we need to proclaim, you and I, to not only um, just the people that are easy like believers, but to non-believers so that they may know the saving grace of the Lord wants them to be encouraged and uh, probably most importantly to have complete confidence that they can understand God's mysterious plan. Mysterious plan. Now, what exactly is God's mysterious plan? Well, verse 26 says that it is a secret. Kept for centuries and generations past. But now it's been revealed to God's people. Why a secret? Why is this a secret? This, this word, by the way, uh, secret, in, in the Greek, uh, sometimes it's translated mystery in other translations. And even our New, uh, new Living Translation, it's translated um, secret and mystery at different times. Um, the reason I say that is because there is a bit of difference in the way we understand this word, mystery or secret. You know, you and I would define a mystery as something that we cannot explain. It's, it's something that we are intrigued by, and sometimes we try to solve the mystery, but, and you know, actually the thing that is unknown the thing that we don't know, um, isn't really a a mystery, it's not labeled a mystery until after we realize we cannot solve what is unknown, then we call it a mystery, because it can't be solved. This uh, reminds me of a a show, Uh, maybe you've seen it, it's called Unsolved Mysteries, Um, when 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 I was growing up, sometimes it, it, it would be on TV, and, and the show would uh, be about some maybe some UFO that flew over, and uh, somebody got a picture of it or a video, and, and the whole, you know, most of the town seen it, but they couldn't explain it. And the whole 30 minutes or the hour um, show, the videos would, would um, you know, whet your appetite to something that couldn't be solved. And you you would think, wow, that's really crazy. It would be intriguing. Or maybe instead of a UFO, it would be about a certain person that went missing. And, and nobody can explain how this one person who didn't seem to have uh, any reason to go missing uh, disappeared. And by the end of the episode, uh, you were left to uh, be just clueless as to what happened it was intriguing but your mind was left to wonder and you would lock your doors for sure that night a mystery you know i, I have a friend um who lives in garnett and uh his uh his grandpa went missing I was probably the 1960s or the 1970s um his grandpa was a well-liked man, um, uh, a good fella, and, and he went missing. Um, no one knows. The, the mystery has never been solved. No one knows what happened to him. None of it made sense. It's an unsolved mystery. But in the case of God's mysterious plan, it is not unsolved. It's not unsolved. In the, the the Greek word, it means a secret or a mystery that can be known. So as opposed to our English word, we know mystery means, oh, well, oh, you know, be a neat and fun thing to try to figure out the mystery, but it's probably not going to be known. But in the Greek word, it is a secret or a mystery that can be known. It's kind of inviting you to uh, figure it out because it is obtainable. This is a mystery that we can be known. Before Christ, in the Old Testament, everyone wanted to know about God's mysterious plan because they all looked forward to this mysterious plan. They were probably uh, getting tired of building altars and sacrificing animals and doing all the things that it took so that their sins could be forgiven. And they looked forward to this mysterious plan that God kind of hinted to through the prophets. But when the plan was revealed to the people, when Jesus came to earth, and God came to the earth in the form of Jesus, uh, you know, a lot of the folks did not accept it. And we have the mystery uh, spelled out to us right here in plain text. And I'm just about to get to that. Um, we have it spelled out, and still, many people fail. To accept it, there are probably uh, you know many Christians that are okay with accepting God's mysterious plan, but his plan is often not fully realized or understood. There's two situations. either God's mystery is not seen or it's not fully realized or understood. So here it is folks. The secret, the mystery is Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 Christ lives in you. Christ in you in in you Christ Jesus in you. It was Paul's mission to make sure that Everyone realized this mystery, and he writes about it in every one of his letters to the churches. That Christ is in you. He writes to the Ephesians that he wants them to accept the Lord's Spirit. Ephesians chapter three verse seventeen. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts. In in your hearts, as you trust in Him, your roots will will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Paul is so sure of this that he tells the Galatians, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In me. Paul is sure of it. And you don't have to take Paul's word for it, though. I mean, I would. I would take his word. At, the, at this time, Paul is writing these words. He's probably got a scar on his back for every person who is in this building. He suffered the beatings, beatings that he got as a result for telling everyone about the good news of God's plan of salvation. He was spreading this message, this mystery, and because of that, he was persecuted. And so, why would you do something That you were only getting persecuted for. He says, I have agonized for you in the second chapter. He had nothing to gain in this world by sharing these words with us. So I'll accept what Paul says. But you don't have to take Paul's word for it. Jesus' words through John's revelation, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, say, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus will come into us. Folks, Jesus is knocking at your door. Will you let him in? He's knocking at your door every day. He doesn't just do it once. Some folks say, I already accepted Jesus a long time ago, or maybe not so long ago, but maybe recently I, I accepted uh, Jesus. You know, and that's great. And and yes, when you first accept Jesus, He came into your heart. That is true, but I'm telling you that if you don't intentionally leave the door open to Jesus, then it will slowly go shut. You ever... Uh, Ever have a door like that? The door over at the uh, Crossroads House, across the street, the one that we uh, teach the kids in, and and on Wednesday we have a meal there. That that door um, just always goes shut slowly. And so when we're over there, uh, you know, I'll open it, and I want kids to be able to come in. Is and you open it, and it stays for a second. You walk away, and you notice it's slowly going shut. And so I'm trying to find something to put. I put a chair in front of it, then nobody can get in because the chair's right there. And I don't know how to keep it up. We need to get a stopper or something over there. or uh, can you unoil hinges? How do you make them rougher? Um, something that needs to keep the door open so folks can come in. kids can come in and uh, you know join in in the in youth group uh, happenings. um this is this is the door, you know, the situation, the direction that we go, we let Jesus in, and then eventually. We go about our own business until a difficult time time comes, and then we need we need Jesus. But we fail to remember, keep that door open, so slowly it goes shut. A preacher named Louis uh, Giglio, he he's he's a popular uh, preacher and author, and we've done some studies um, of his on right now media in our small groups. Um, he says that. In his first years of ministry, he didn't get the uh, secret, the, uh, the mystery thing right. He understood Paul's word as Christ and you. Christ and you. And he lived life <clears throat> like it was a tag team wrestling event. He would go out into the world, out into the, the wrestling ring, and do his best until he was worn out and discouraged and couldn't go anymore. And then as if he was wrestling in the ring and had been uh, tackled and pinned and couldn't do anything else, he would reach out his hand to his wrestling partner, who's Jesus, and then Jesus would touch him and he would let Jesus take over because he had nothing left. Brothers and sisters, Jesus isn't your tag team partner. Is not your tag team partner. Paul's words do not read Christ and you. They read and it says Christ in you. Christ lives in you. Now what does that mean for us? It means that we can be overcomers. John chapter 16, verse 33, uh, Jesus says, Here on earth you have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Oh, by the way, if, if uh, this is not really a three-point sermon, but if you're taking notes and you would like to write three points down, here they are. Uh, number one, we can be overcomers because Christ is in us. Be overcomers, Jesus says, take heart. I have overcome the world. And if we have Jesus inside of us, then Jesus has overcome the world and we can as well through Christ Jesus. It means that we are sure to share His glory. Chapter 1, verse 7 of Colossians 27. And the secret is Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing His glory, assurance of sharing His glory. We can be sure. That's point number two, share His glory. The, the third thing that we can be uh, assured of, of with Christ in us is that it means we will defy death. If Christ is in us. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 10, And now He has made all of this plain to us, By the appearing of Christ Jesus our Savior, He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. So we can defy death because the only thing that it means to us, to to those of us who have faith, is that Jesus is the door from this temporary life here on earth to eternal life in glory land. And that is accomplished because Jesus has the power to throw death and the grave into the lake of fire. Revelation chapter 20, verse 14. Christ is in you. And don't forget that His body works best together. Christ in us. As The body of Christ, His church. We have accepted Him and we are doing His work and we work best together. About uh, about 33 AD, our Lord Jesus was put to death. He was hung on a cross and he was buried in a tomb. And then he went missing. Mary Magdalene, she filed a missing persons report. Well, not really. But she did the next best thing. Uh, She went ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, and she said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. He's missing. And then Jesus uh, appeared, appeared to her a little bit after that, and she, she was obviously very happy. Jesus is not missing anymore, have Jesus. One day, a little while after that, as some of Jesus' followers were walking to Emmaus, and they were sad and discouraged. and Jesus appeared to them, but they didn't know it was Jesus. They, they didn't know it was Him. They didn't recognize Him. And, and He asked them what was wrong. They said, man, uh, we had a prophet who did powerful miracles and He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people, but He was crucified and now His body is missing. Then Jesus told them about the mystery. And then the, the scripture says that, that Jesus went home with them and broke bread. That reminds me of something that we do every week here to remind us of the solved mystery, taking communion. You see, it's, it it seems that the problem is that Jesus is always missing. Is Jesus missing in your life? Maybe you know him. Maybe you work with him. But do you leave the door open for him so that he can work in you? Communion, it's... It's so very obvious, the reminder that we do every week, communion. We take Jesus into us. Jesus, who gave himself on the cross, he says, do this in remembrance of me, and we take him into our bodies. It's a physical representation of Jesus Christ living in us. Now, the problem is really not that Jesus is always missing. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, uh, Jesus says, And be sure of this, one of the last things that he told us after um, his resurrection. He said, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. I'm with you, even to the end. The problem is that we leave him on the porch on the other side of the door, that either we leave shut, didn't open in the first place, or that has slowly went shut over time. We leave Him on the other side of the door. Folks, if you open the door, then it's no secret where Jesus is. He's not missing. He lives in you. Let's pray. Father God, oh, we are so grateful for the mercy and the grace that you provided for us, all the suffering that you took upon yourself just so that we could be with you in heaven, Lord. We thank you for the words of Paul here, for his example of suffering for the sake of getting your word out to the church and all the folks who don't know you, God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you live in us if we accept you. That here we are,